It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Charles Payne. I'm Martha McCallum, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, March 24th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. This war in Ukraine has not gone great for the Russian military, and now Russian President Vladimir Putin is beginning to lash out at his own officials and blame them for the stall in Ukraine. Putin simply won't listen to things he doesn't want to hear. So it could be that these guys would have wanted to be straight up with Putin and say, hey, it's not going to go well. But they were scared to say that. This is the Fox News Rundown. War on Ukraine. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. The British government says Ukrainian forces are carrying out successful counterattacks against Russian units on the outskirts of Kiev, maybe regaining some lost ground. A Russian warship destroyed by the Ukrainian Navy at a port in Berdansk. So are the Russian people on board with this war or are they starting to feel differently? The feeling that I had just before I left on March 1st or 2nd, early days of March after the invasion began, was in some ways a bit more anxiety ridden or a bit more, it was more nerve wracking than I ever felt when I was in the USSR in 1986, which I think kind of says a lot, but, but that's me. We're speaking today with Fox News senior foreign affairs correspondent Amy Kellogg. About the people there, I, the friends that I have, the contacts that I have and have known over time were to a man and woman horrified by this invasion. They were um, worried about, first of all, saddened by the thought that Ukraine was under attack, but also scared about the implications for their own lives. The sanctions came so swiftly and it was just like one by one by one. They were thinking about aspects of their lives that would change or be limited. And also there was a sense of shame. One guy I interviewed the other day who has since fled and 
I've heard a million Russians have fled due to this just because they don't know what's next, said, I feel like how Germans must have felt after or even during World War II. I wonder when it will be okay to be Russian again. And and I wonder when I'll stop feeling this sense of shame. Let's keep it right there in Russia, as we've got reports that there's some internal bickering and problems with Vladimir Putin and some of his senior advisors, some of his senior military people, as this invasion has been really clunky. And NATO reports some 15,000 Russian troops have been killed during this invasion of Ukraine. That matches or exceeds the number over 10 years Russia spent in Afghanistan. What are you hearing about what Putin's advisors are saying Well, one thing I think is worth noting is that before the war, I interviewed a lot of Kremlin friendly or close to the Kremlin analysts who said, no, no, it's not going to happen. This is just aggressive diplomacy, but there won't be a war. Half of those, I would say, have hardened, hardened positions and come out strongly in defense of this war, which I I didn't expect. Another half have gone completely silent and kind of scurried away from the story with their tail between their legs completely. So I think that's interesting. One sort of side of that pool horrified another side, really kind of upping, um, upping their support for Putin in the wake of this, either out of fear or out of some anti-Western backlash, which is kind of interesting that that is taking place too. A lot of people are more anti-Western and kind of blaming things on the West now rather than their own government. Uh, In terms of any palace intrigue, uh, the the defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, was not seen in public for close to two weeks, and he apparently showed up today on state TV. I mean, there was a video screen with him on it and Putin looking at it. So that may have put to rest some speculation that he was either sidelined or um, is so horrified himself that he hasn't wanted to associate himself more than he needs to with the war. The other story that was interesting in the last several days was that reportedly two FSB, which is the the successor to the KGB colonels, have been put under house arrest because they were the ones charged with prepping the ground for the Russian invasion in Ukraine. They were there supposedly setting up networks and recruiting people to be friendly to Russia and welcome Russian troops with flowers and that kind of thing. None of that happened. So apparently two guys are under house arrest for that. And whether I did hear rumors, but I'm absolutely not certain that these are true, but it's an interesting point to contemplate. Money is involved here too. So the rumor I had heard from someone in Moscow was that the, or someone who left Moscow recently was that, that these guys may have pocketed the money that should have been spent winning people over because you, you know, you often buy people off. It's not just telling them, Hey, you could have a better life under the Kremlin. It's, it's, you know, it's about corruption. So maybe it's that, or maybe it's just that things didn't go the way Putin had hoped that they would. Um, The other aspect of the story is that I'm hearing Putin simply won't listen to things he doesn't want to hear. So it could be that these guys would have wanted to be straight up with Putin and say, hey, it's not going to go well. But they were scared to say that and and didn't. And and things have gone forward. And this is the result. On that note, we heard from apparently a Russian intelligence analyst who told Fox News that Putin's security services are in fear of telling him anything he doesn't want to hear. They're kind of at that point kind of 
going off of what you are saying, what are some of the thoughts of these Russians and retired military Russian officers who may have served Putin in the past, but are seeing what's happening now and not liking it? Yeah, I think it's there are certainly people who will be closing ranks with him. And I don't know. I can't break it down for you what percentage of people might be turning on him or whether there's any any seeds of a of a of a palace coup or anything of that sort underway. But I do know that this one Russian military analyst I spoke to yesterday said that this has gone so badly. It's gone badly on every single level. And he said it's rare for so many things in a war to go badly. Not even Russia can do everything badly, he said. He was so kind of down on on the on the Russian military and his, you know, his own country in a sense. And he was saying that all he kind of knew for a while that all this talk about Russia's vastly new and improved military in the last several years under Putin was more hot air than reality. He also said, and I thought this was kind of interesting, that um, the fact that these these soldiers, A, were not told about the plan, but B, spent months in the winter living in tents on these supposed exercises that Russia kept saying were happening all around the borders. Remember, it was, oh, it's just military exercises. No, we're not going to invade Ukraine. These guys were camping out in tents for two months. I mean, talk about tiring out essential forces. That clearly couldn't have been good for anyone. So there's, you know, there's that going on. And then the last thing I've heard from a few different sources is that this is not going to succeed for the Russians unless they do a mass mobilization like the Ukrainians have done of fighting age men. And that would be so hugely unpopular in Russia that it would probably possibly be counterproductive for them. But that I've heard time and again, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, they're relying on some Chechens, perhaps some Syrians and um, young conscripts. But that's that's not going to sustain this if it's going to continue for some time, John. We're speaking today to Fox News senior foreign affairs correspondent Amy Kellogg on some possible dissension among the ranks of the Russian military and some of Vladimir Putin's top advisors. We'll have much more coming up after this. A big factor in this war has been intelligence. We've spoken to many experts on this podcast who say a big reason why Ukraine is doing what they're doing is because they have good intelligence, whether that's based on the West, whether that's the fact they have the home field advantage, whatever it is, it's working. It seems to be working in disfavor for Russia. Can you talk about how maybe Vladimir Putin gambled on intelligence that he thought was there, but actually wasn't? Well, this analyst I spoke to said that very thing yesterday. He said that um, that he cited some particular technology that's been used that's been incredibly good. And I don't have it to hand, so I won't waste your time with fumbling around for that. But he said it was U.S. intelligence that even was seeing things underground. So that was helping um, the Ukrainians immensely in this fight, immensely. He also said that in 2014, when Russia went in the first time to Ukraine, they Russia had some Israeli drones that were helping them a lot. And I guess they don't have that same capability now. But, yeah, that's been helping the Ukrainians. Um, and that that's been one of the factors that has kept them going. Of course, there's their famous at this point resilience and um, and 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 resistance and national pride. 
but the intelligence has been a pretty big piece of the puzzle, apparently. One last question for you, Amy, and I want you to look at this from your own point of view and from a journalist's point of view, because you were in Russia when they made this new law cracking down on reporting anything that would contradict Russian state media. And that would go for any journalists inside of Russia. You've left since then, Russia, many others have, but there's been some Russian journalists who have gone against that and are now in legal trouble. What was your feeling and what was the feeling of your colleagues over there when that law was happening and when it actually passed? Well, a lot of the people who've left are journalists. There were, there was very, very, um, there, there are very few, there were very few independent media outlets. There is one that remains functioning in Russia, but the, some of the remaining couple of outlets were either closed down or they just, people started leaving, uh, in those days because 15 years in prison is, is no joke. And, uh, not everyone is as brave as Alexei Navalny. I'm certainly not. And, um, I, I just think it's, it's frightening to think that you could be sentenced to such a long jail term for reporting on what the Kremlin doesn't like. And the, the laws are very strict about fake news. Now it's, if you want to report on the war, you cannot call it a war. You have to call it a special military operation and you can only use information that is provided by the Ministry of Defense, the Russian Ministry of Defense. So there's really not much reporting to be done at all. So people were scared. I definitely felt a sense of unease and a lot of people have just left. I mean, they've just gone to either Turkey or Georgia or Azerbaijan Uh those are or to Europe if they can go. But imagine these people. And of course, everyone says first thoughts with the Ukrainians because they are losing their lives and they are losing their cities. But for Russians whose bank accounts are blocked and and I'm talking about simple people who are journalists, writers. I mean, I don't even know what they're doing economically. They probably can't get their hands on money. I mean, they're going abroad, renting apartments and probably can't use their credit cards. I mean, that's a logistical problem in and of itself. Well, we are calling it a war and we're even calling our podcasts a war. This is the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast and Fox News Senior Foreign Affairs Correspondent Amy Kellogg. Thanks for your unique insight. We This is the first time we've talked to someone who was recently inside Russia. So we appreciate the things you had to say to us today. Oh, thank you, John. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.